Welcome to Humans Are Us, Human Lives, Human Stories, a podcast about ordinary people living extraordinary lives. These are the stories of people that said yes to themselves. Their experiences have helped to make them who they are in this moment. By sharing their personal stories, we hope to inspire others to live their truth. This is a podcast about growth and being one's true, authentic self. Please be advised, this podcast contains adult content and language. Opinions expressed in this show are just that, opinions. And any health-related discussions do not constitute medical advice. Welcome to Humans Are Us. I'm your host, MJ Love. I am so excited to share this week's episode with you. I spoke with the Stolby sisters, also known as the Witches of Gastown. There isn't much these two don't do together. They're trailblazers in the cannabis space, working in media, event production, and consulting. Frankly, I don't know when these two find time to sleep. Creators of the Covenant Club, which brings witches together, the High End Diner series, which provides people with cannabis-infused dining experiences, GG Media Lab, an incubator for creatives, visual content creation, and media marketing, and Stolby Brands, urban-inspired clothing for conscious humans, where one tree is planted for every item sold. On this episode, I speak with the sisters about the creation of the Covenant Club, being cannabis influencers, and their experiences using psychedelics as medicine. How did you both get started in your magical practice? I guess dates all the way back to childhood. My grandma, so my dad's mom, was like, since she was a child, a very spiritual. And he never used the term witch, like, around me. But I now know that lots of what she was teaching me sort of when I was a kid and a lot of interests were in that sort of domain. And so I grew up around that because my grandma was like all the time when I was um, little, her mom had a really good relationship. And my mom went back to work right away. Like when I was a baby, my grandma was with me, you know, kind of like every day like that. So a lot of I guess what I would to be kind of all the things in my witchy world now were instilled all the way through from basically like since I was born. But a lot of that was just became intuitive when I took the same kind of path later in life. So my grandma basically had kind of a really interesting life. She grew up sort of like a socialite life in She's European, but grew up in Egypt, and she used to ride her tricycle around the pyramids when she was a little kid. <laughs> and then she, um, when she, uh, then she immigrated eventually to, her, and then later moved to Nelson. And my dad and my uncle were raised in the ashram at Nelson, BC. So that was kind of like more her taking that more spiritual path to studying a lot of kind of the different things that she ended up studying within the spirituality kind of landscape. And so for me, 
interested in kind of like all the things like I would look at her books on like palm reading and you know just all kinds of things that she had around when I was a kid and for me my kind of entry point though as an adult past really understanding manifestation and how all of that works was really in with crystals and so that was you know like a handful of years ago now and I just sort of intuitively got the call that I should be working with crystals a bit more so it was really just I didn't look too much into that technically I just started going into shops and intuitively being drawn to the crystals that were kind of like speaking to me and so a lot of I do in any form and now more recently I got into tarot but it's always just been really intuitive it was never really studying anything like formally I just kind of have gotten the call to thing or take a certain kind of path like that and then really some of the skills I guess that go along with that kind of really develop surrounding that that's probably the best way that I can kind of explain it for for me anyway yep quite close to uh I guess early stages for both of us being that, yeah, my grandma was a huge matriarch of our family and had a huge influence on retelling and the way that she came about to figure out her own witchiness. I think we come from a a lineage of, of witches. I think my mom on her side and my grandma's mom was also one. So such blatancy in in our family uh, until probably our generation yeah <laughs> to use to claim to use, the word to I use guess. Yeah. the word yeah lots of practices happening memories I have just like a supreme inner knowing um is what I called it all along and I would get drop downs and messages and and just in that way most of my life like earliest memories was wild and I was very hypersensitive to sounds and things and I've always been very empathetic that channel kind of understanding that I was an empath then it started to develop more I think some of my like psychic intuition that I like to call it because I'm still developing and it's constant evolution of of that those factors are more described as my inner knowing I guess about things and in my practice it it changes what I do I have a lot of and synchronicity things and a lot of things like that that are more my my practice with manifestation and I do have crystals too but it's that kind of comes a little bit secondary to some of my things of it is in my jewelry and wow one having that like introduction when they're you're that young is amazing a lot of people who are brought up as women specifically are taught to kind of ignore those parts of their knowing. I think it's fantastic that you you both didn't have to do that. You got to explore. And I can't even imagine being at your grand's house with all those books. Yeah, it was cool. It was really cool, yeah. But yeah, we do feel privileged that we had an experience like that with, uh, you know, so many open women that were able to actually converse about those topics and stuff because it's definitely shaped our our personal experience of what we're doing with Coven Club and you know kind of trying to pave the way for other other witches to embody this 
the sense in themselves. It was a great segue, by the way, because I was going to bring up Coven Club. How did that come about? And what is the really overall vision? 2016, all of the that was ensuing at the time with two movement, where a lot more women actually started kind of speaking up and reining back in their power, essentially. And we've always kind of had, I think, a a position where a lot of the time people came to us for advice and came to us when they needed that boost of empowerment or people tell us now we remind them of their power. It was really us and at that time, a couple of um, our our other friends that founded that together and the, the three of us that run the Cabin Club now, three of us founders, all were working in heavily male-dominated industries. Our partner, Sarah Lehman, is a criminal defense lawyer. And at that time, we were working in um, the film industry, which we grew up in since we were kids, and uh, acting and both sides of the camera, and also in a little bit in the tech industry, too. And so we were always just, you know, sharing our experiences and kind of conversations surrounding like what it's like to be a woman, a woman in those industries, but also just what we hope to do for each other as friends and what we were already doing, but that that could also benefit a lot of other women who are either in similar industries to us or have similar viewpoints. And at that point, it wasn't so much on the all of the other kind of witchy aspects as it is now naturally become a lot of women in the network who are various entrepreneurs, various power women, I would, I would describe them as, or women that are definitely have a lot of different kind of like, yeah, a lot of uh, different witchy women too, (laughs) that have been attracted to just kind of joining this like network and whether that's been for support or exchanging business ideas or collabing on events or any number of things that we've kind of done over the years. But uh, the vision was in the end goal is likely to have still a physical space or spaces where that can happen. But yeah, in the meantime, it's really just been about building that network. And during the pandemic here, we've uh, started doing some rooms on Clubhouse and found that the response has been really great for for that, um, focused a little bit more on our cannabis lane, but like women that really are, are interested in both working in that industry or learning about, about that. And yeah. so I think that was kind of the segue naturally from what we were doing in the media side and with, you know, our other businesses and what we were doing in the film industry and everything. It just sort of naturally flowed once we decided to incorporate the cannabis piece into our portfolio of what we were doing business-wise. Mm-hmm. And then it really became a mission in the sense that we had a new booming industry that was going to be basically the top global industry in business. Male dominated. Uh, yeah. Right. We didn't want to see the exact same things happen as we had just spent years observing in tech, which is that now we had built all these companies, not us ourselves, but like globally, all these companies had been built. And 
Now they were going and, you know, hiring diversity coaches and, you know, people like that, because it was, we built all of these companies predominantly with white men in the entire structure of the company or certainly at the top of them. And that those companies don't end up reflecting the values and needs of like our entire society if it's not actually representing all the different members of society and how these businesses are structured. And so though we never set out to be in exactly the position that we're in right now in cannabis and like this kind of influencer or person of influence kind of lane, it was really just that we saw the need for moving this kind of coven club type of model of like really supporting women in business and forming a lot of like alliances in that way and how important that was going to be in a new booming industry that no foundation really in the legal framework had been created yet. So it's really an open book as far as how we proceed with that and if we make all the same mistakes as we've made in every other one of these industries that I've listed or whether we were going to do something different and And, so then yeah yeah. for me I think it was like really finding resonance is the top word that I can say to describe what we are doing in general across the board with all of our businesses but really with the Coven Club it was that we weren't often when we started finding a lot of women that were like us, that were embodying the the same values in the forefront of being able to like claim those spaces and do those things for themselves. And so for me, I was seeking like-minded people and other women that shared in this experience that were kind of like us or kind of wanted to figure out their moves like this, but had holdbacks in some capacity. And so for me, it was it was a natural flow for us always working together to do that. But with Sarah, we've been friends for, you know, 14 plus years now. And we were always finding those avenues and finding those ways to help support each other, like, like Tam said, and natural gravitation of the type of people that also wanted that became very apparent and around the time we were we were working in those spaces and stuff like that so it's just I think it's a natural flow of people seeking the kind of lifestyle and the freedom to choose their path and journey and career and and be actually highly respected for it be known for it, be understood for it. And it takes shape in everything we do because being in the media and being very vocal and being very much out as witches, it's like a bursting open of just your authentic self and what you what you want to embody on this planet. And so for us, it was really important to to give those resonating factors to other people and maybe a little assistance in pushes to provide support where those pieces are in in your life in general not just in business but just in in the human experience and what we want to be doing so that was really important for us to do I think that's amazing especially when you talk about manifestation and to me the word witch has always meant a strong woman who uses her 
or their, you know, strengths in order to not shy away from what they want in this world. Using various tools, whatever tools they're called to use, cannabis can be one of those tools. So I think creating that space for strong females to really step into their power is something greatly needed in this world. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. I laugh because it just makes me so sad. You know, we're minorities where white old dudes are calling the shots. I think having something like Coven Club to bring like-minded people together who want to change the world is incredible. And when you talk about your foray into cannabis, I understand that that has led to also your psychedelic exploration being used in various different ways, not just, you know, a bunch of, as I think a lot of people, (laughs) they think of psychedelics and they just, you know, you, you picture hippies in the 60s think right now there's this beautiful movement of changing that stereotype. Can you talk a little bit about your knowledge of the industry? I mean, very exciting time because the obviously the legalization of cannabis, though we have been for can- in Canada now legal for like three years, but of course now we've got some advantages in, with cannabis being deemed an essential service during the pandemic, which has shifted, you know, a little bit with the public perception, perception because there's still obviously a lot of stigma surrounding cannabis just in general and a lot of misconceptions, yeah. etc. That was great that that happened. But then, of course, we've had, due to uh, the pandemic, you know, not really been able to do events in the same way and like, you know, kind of get out there and engage with people in the same way as um, the foundation and groundwork that was being laid in that first, you know, couple of years to really get that community built around because that is the best way to educate people, I think, on this yeah, whole world, true. whether it's plant, plant medicines in general. Yeah, I am someone who never even consumed a puff of cannabis or tried any other like drugs until I was in my early 30s. And so, you know, barely, (laughs) barely even drank alcohol. So for me to even venture into like the cannabis side, that was a huge deal. And the reason I did it is because I was sort of seeing, even though I knew a lot of people that consumed cannabis uh, growing up that certainly didn't fit the stoner stereotype or stigma or anything like that, I just always kind of still thought, well, I don't think it's for me. And, but that was really based on the very narrow kind of education that that existed that most people have seen, which is still pretty stoner stereotype, just kind of through like media. When I, as an adult, seeing what was sort of happening in states like California that were a little bit more advanced four years ago now, let's say, than then we're we are here I was seeing like long table infused dinners and things like that and I was just like what am I missing to do with cannabis and this like what's what's going on here because I I didn't know about all the methods of consumption I didn't know I didn't know anything really but the absolute basics that most people do about weed and it's so much more complex than that and that Mm -hmm. Opening that Pandora's box for me was opening it to the world of plant medicines. And though I have still myself consumed just cannabis and um, and psilocybin, and and at that only so far have microdosed that, but it has been completely life changing for me. 
and both the cannabis and and the microdosing of psychedelics. So I kind of naturally seeing the progression because once cannabis was legal and we started moving into that space, mushrooms were coming right behind that as far as psychedelics and other other psychedelics too, but specifically psilocybin and the research that has already been done on that, even by major universities, you know, in the US, they're very well respected. It's more ahead than cannabis already was on the trajectory towards normalization and legalization in the sense that clinics are already being set up in typically conservative provinces, like where we're from, like in Alberta, for psilocybin therapy. And so we're already kind of moving into that more normalized medicinal landscape with the psychedelics and that is still with cannabis a bit the struggle because we've still got the medicinal side of cannabis and the recreational side of cannabis and how to educate people on the big picture of how that all kind of works into lifestyle together which is a big part of what we do in in our media landscape but it was only kind of natural for me once I actually had experimented and started that road myself with the psychedelics and the microdosing of psilocybin to share that with people because it's also nothing new but again who was microdosing psychedelics like that like tech entrepreneurs in the silicon valley that built everything we use technology wise essentially But that's, again, a very closed information circle of people benefiting a lot from from that, but not out in the in the open. And so it kind of became like everything else to me, where it's like, I want to get the information out to more people of more demographics that can be benefiting from this versus just these kind of like narrow individual channels of men in business with advantages and the tools they're using to get themselves ahead because microdosing psilocybin is it's completely different than what people would expect if they've had macrodosing of mushrooms let's say right to be able to actually use that as a tool to do your work is I think where the major shift is Mm -hmm. to a lot of people because I'm primarily using it to work both to boost creativity but also for focus and I think That's huge for people to understand a little bit of the reframing around some of these plant medicines or drugs that people understand the other uses and the other settings and the dosage amounts. And there's a lot to that picture, but Mm -hmm. that was really important for that piece, I think, for us. For me, various, like with everything, like cannabis delivered a very impactful stigma that took the reins of society and stuck. And that's a, that's a tool of the media and it's a reality of what they, they put out. And there was a very narrow story for what that looks like and the people that consume it and the, the types of uh, things you get up to on it. And, you know, it's basically the stoner kid that sits in the basement and eats pizza. That's basically what we got shown. And so Although Tam started much later, I was 14 when I started consuming cannabis and I had numerous years on and off with consuming it. It was never that to me. Like it was just, it was around and I was a skateboarder. I was in a lot of different like crews that had that quite present, 
but the types of cannabis that were available at the time, us being from Alberta was like, here's weed. You don't, you don't know what you're getting. <laughs> like this is a joint and just to have your experience. Right. And so I, don't, I think a lot of people generally had that experience in the old world of cannabis pre-legalization for sure. And so up until the time when we really started to delve in, it was the shift of education and access to that information and being able to see like these examples in California or other examples of humans that were consuming it in all sorts of ways that didn't fit the stereotype. And the positive thing for mushrooms, I think that were very, you know, fortunate to have is that no one really knew what a mushroom person looked like (laughs) a mushroom consumer you're just like okay like there is not really a stigma other than what you're saying like psychedelics on a grand scheme is more like this hippie kind of movement but as far as a psilocybin person you're like who's that guy (laughs) you know and or who's that girl so there's there's those funny things that at least with with psychedelics emerging and the research behind it that's coming about to the benefits of integration in a lifestyle and it goes into the same thing of what we've done in cannabis is that integration piece of what you're actually looking to achieve through your experience and why you're choosing to venture down this route because I think in life right now and where we're at on the planet globally and what we just went through with COVID and all all the things that we're still experiencing now, the shift is taking place in a very uh, prevalent fashion that people are seeking other. And whatever that is, we've seen the destruction on this planet. And I think we've seen what wasn't working before for a lot of people, though it was so readily available involved in every conversation, like alcohol, <laughs> everything, it weaves through, you know? And I think people just generally, whether that's cannabis, psychedelics, mindfulness, meditation, witchiness, like your divinations, things like that are all becoming more, I think, authentic realities for people to start to explore and figure out what they might require as their next boost or their next prompt or their next thing to feel their best. And so I think for us, it was really shaping that narrative or reshaping that narrative of A, what a what a consumer of plant medicines looks like, B, what you're doing on those things, like because we're entrepreneurs and do consume it every day in all sorts of settings, depending on what we're doing. And redefining that relationship that people tend to have with these plants and just just reshaping the whole thing and giving examples that it's it's not what you think and so from a very safe and accessible point that's what we're always trying to encourage which we do microdose more often than macrodose i would say and so as a wellness tool these are tools. And I won't say they're the be all end all, but they are tools definitely to incorporate in your routine and help you with the next step of what you're you're trying to achieve. And that goes back first question with Coven Club and trying to embody where you see yourself on this uh on this how plane you see and yourself. how you see yourself. How you see yourself. And 
And do you see other people that are resonating alongside you that you can share in that experience? Because the truth behind the pudding is that cannabis is actually a connection tool. These plant medicines are a connection tool with humans, with the earth, with nature, with the animal kingdom, with that. And that's what you start to understand is that it's a very connective commodity that allows us to have that ability to share. That's the main point. And it loops very nicely back to manifestation once you know how to use it. (laughs) I will say that. I feel like we've come full circle, which I love. I love a full circle moment. You did bring up COVID, obviously the pandemic. At this point, it just feels like it affects every part of our lives. It feels like it's going to end. I don't know about you. I don't remember a time where my life wasn't me alone in my apartment. So um, (laughs) I do have two dogs, so I'm not totally alone. I do like to end it kind of on a, on a nicer note. And my therapist asked me this when the pandemic first started and it really helped me um, switch my thinking about what was happening in the world. So I'm going to ask it to both of you. Has this time brought you anything that surprised you or that was unexpected? So many things (laughs) is my first thought. Um, uh, okay. I will, well, I'll say for, for me, because as someone who let's say before, before experiencing uh, COVID as a person that, uh, has OCD, right. (laughs) And normally this Mm -hmm. entire landscape (laughs) of what has occurred would be like my nightmare scenario, right. So, so I would have thought. And to have the tools, actually, that I just <laughs> went through as a tool in this situation has made it the opposite of how I would have thought that would have gone for me. Though, you know, obviously acknowledge all of the, all of the tragic kind of circumstances surrounding this, I also like to look at the bright side of it, which is that for a lot of people, and I've had this conversation with a lot of people, sometimes these like tower moments where everything collapses in a form that it existed previously, whether people have gotten used to that and they're happy with it, or they're just used to it because it's easy to get stuck in ruts too. And that's kind of how it felt like the whole of society got. And just because we're used to things being like a certain way doesn't mean it's the way that they should endlessly be. And really this entire situation has been an opportunity for people to kind of take a step back and analyze all areas of their lives and decide where they want to maybe make changes or have a bit more time to actually self-reflect or have a bit more time to maybe spend time with their family or children for those people who got locked down in homes together, whether that went positively or it actually went another direction because maybe it was supposed to. But I think that it's been an opportunity for, for people to do that work, whatever that work looks like to individuals. And so for me, I think I was pleasantly surprised at where I was actually at myself, because I guess 
when you're thrown into a situation like that, you really realize it's kind of sink or swim kind of situation. That I had a lot more tools in myself than maybe I even realized. And that I had a lot of tools to assist other people through this time, which is like, that's been really, really special for, for me. And, you know, and I think for a lot of people that I've been able to kind of share these pieces, like with that has been very impactful. I'm, I'm pleasantly, I would say, surprised at a lot of people's resilience. Mm -hmm. I will say that. Mm -hmm. That's a great answer. Um, yeah, I would have to agree with that. I, I don't think that I ever didn't think something like this could happen on the planet because I think from, like I said earlier, from a young age, I was conscious of the fact that so much wasn't working and so much wasn't working, but we were following a rat race to keep it going as a person that I constantly am pivoting to find the best way of doing something, the most harmonious, the most like, you know, inclusive, the most way that we can benefit, like as a, as a collective and as a whole throughout my life, quite an irking thing that I was seeing so much of this rat race being continually chased for what reason, very self-reflective on those parts and for me I think you know the timing of this happening on the planet I think is opportune I'm surprised that it happened now in a way but I'm not surprised by the outcome because I think truly that things have to break down before they have to get better and I think it allowed us pause definitely even continue to allow myself a pause to reframe and keep reframing and keep reframing and keep reframing and keep asking ourselves what what we're what we're really trying to do what we're really trying to achieve what what happiness actually means to us and success actually means to us and all of these pieces that what we were thinking we had to chase before I think a lot of people just, yeah, allowed themselves to take that moment of reflection, a long moment, (laughs) long pause of reflection, and it's still ongoing. But in a way, I'm like, that, that's a very good thing, I think, because I think it'll, it'll center us. And it'll allow us to be a little more understanding of our own needs, our own desires, and our own path and live a more fulfilling life past this point. I think that's beautifully put that this is a time for all of us to reset. I like what you said, redefining what success means. I think that was a huge change society needs. I just want to thank you guys so much for taking this time to talk to me tonight. If want to get in touch with you, follow you, get to know what you're doing, how do they find you? Yeah, we're Stolby Sisters, S-T-O-L-B-I-E Sisters on Instagram, mostly is our platform that we use. And you can find all of our other businesses on there, StolbySisters.com. Yes, I, to be honest, I was, um, when I was researching this, I was just like, I don't think they sleep ever. <laughs> we're very high functioning that's a little <laughs> 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 to you 
if only we'd all be so magnificently busy and, and changing the world for the better. So thank you for being both of you. And, you know, I can't wait to see what impact you guys have when the world gets back to, you know, wherever we're going. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And thank you for what you do with this podcast because you're sharing stories and that's a beautiful thing thanks for listening to this week's episode of humans are us don't miss an episode by subscribing to wherever you get your podcasts and remember to rate and review loved this episode please share it with a loved one and help grow the humans are us community connect with me on instagram at humans are us or visit the website humansareus.com.